With just one week left in the 2013 MLS regular season, the playoff picture got a whole lot clearer this past weekend. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, dude? What's going on, Garrett? Nothing much, man. Just, uh, you know, just finished The Walking Dead, hanging out here, enjoying everything. You were at the Cosmos game. How was that? Yeah, it was all right. It was a little disappointing night for the Cosmos. They, uh, they had a chance to lock up the fall, uh, regular season fall title for the 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 the, sec- the fall half of the year for that for the NASL and they give up a 90th minute equalizer pretty much put the whammy on on what were going to be some pretty nice celebrations there uh you know for their first title of any kind in you know three decades so they're gonna have to put that on hold they're still gonna you know barring a ridiculous collapse they're still gonna most likely win that and they're gonna be in the soccer bowl which is going to be the uh, NASL final between them and, and the Atlanta Silverbacks in November Soccer Bowl. I love it. Great name. Yes, sir. And it's in Atlanta. So, uh, <laughs> looks like I'm probably going to Atlanta for that. Never been to Atlanta. I know we have a lot of readers and probably a lot of listeners in Atlanta. Uh, a pretty underrated soccer town, even though they don't have an MLS team. They're probably going to get yeah, one. Yeah, cough, cough, point. cough. So, well, yeah. I mean, they're probably going to get one pretty, you know, a few years down the road. And uh, it'll be good to get down there and maybe meet some of those people. Wait, November 9th. How come we're not taking the SBI show over there? <laughs> Uh, I don't know about that. You can meet me there if you find a way to get there. Actually, actually, I'm looking at my calendar. I'm actually busy that weekend. You know, it's amazing, Ivis. The the we talked about this on the last show, but the MLS Cup, the uh, the playoff schedule came out. It's amazing. Out of all the weekends, the one weekend I'm free is the MLS Cup weekend. So, barring some bizarre circumstance, I will be present at the SBI show. We will have an epic party at the. You know, we'll do the show at the party. We'll we'll do the whole thing. So I'm I'm excited for that, man. I don't want to hear barring anything. You're going to be there, buddy. If you're not there, there's going to be a whole lot of people. Well, you, I mean, I, I mean, if if you. if something happens with my schedule, Ivis, you know which bosses to go yell at for me. Do you have some juice by now? No, I don't. I'm sure you have more clout with them than I. All right, we'll, work on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> well, as always, we have tons to talk about on this show. As, as we said uh, in the previous show before this weekend, all nine games this past weekend in MLS action. All had big playoff implications with many teams fighting for the playoff lives. Other teams looking to play spoiler. And just other teams that were just looking to solidify their playoff position. So, obviously, we have tons to talk about with every single game. Uh, A game that happened this weekend uh, on Sunday that that was a a big game was New York taking on Houston in Texas. For the second time, New York has now gone down to Houston and defeated them. The first game was 4-1 in favor of New York this past weekend. Shut out. 3-0 Three to zero to New York looked pretty good in this game, Ivis. I mean, you had to be impressed with them, and and right now, I mean, they're leading the league in the Supporter Shield standings. They they look like they're the favorite to win it, barring some barring. I think barring's the key word today, uh, barring some bizarre thing in their final game. But I mean, yet again, Ivis, another impressive result on the road, and we've seen New York able to go on the road a couple times this year and come away with the some quality victories. Uh, they're really hitting a really good run of form right now. And, and I think one of the more impressive things about this team is the fact that they've had so many different people kind of step up and, and take on uh, take on bigger roles. I mean, today you had you had a few new faces step in there uh, and, and do the job. And obviously they have Tim Cahill and Terry Henry leading the way uh, as their designated players, two of the best players in the league. Uh, so you hear, you know, they grab a lot of the headlines, but it's really been the work all over the field. Uh, of a variety of players that that have helped carry them to the doorstep of the supporter shield and they still have one game to play they still have one game to win they have to play the chicago fire on sunday in a game the fire 
we're probably going to need to get in the playoffs. So it's not by any means. It's by no means is it going to be easy. And uh, I know right now, folks in Red Bull in Red Bull Land are pretty happy, and they're, they're, there's a lot of joyousness and celebration going on. But I, I think a lot of the long time diehard old school New York Metro Star slash Red Bull fans are not holding their breath. I think they're going to take see how things go because this franchise, as we have seen through the years. Uh, just when you think they figure things out, something crazy goes wrong. So until they're actually lifting that supporter shield, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if any of the old school hardcore fans are gonna are gonna buy it just yet. Um, the one thing about this game, uh, implications were that Houston dropped out of the playoff race, so they're sitting at forty eight points in the sixth spot. New England does have forty eight points, but they're in the playoffs. Houston, um, a little gift for them at the end of the season. No offense to the fans of this team, but Houston's taking on DC United, so they they should get a victory here, Ivis, to get themselves back in the playoffs. But but going back to this game, I, I just have one pet peeve I want to point out in this game that, that brings me back to U15 coaching. And if you're a young player listening to the show, go back and watch the highlights of Houston, of New York's second goal. And when they scored it, when, when Tally Hall punched it out, it's it's the job of the defense to, to step up and, and get off the line. And I got to say that Warren Cruval stood on the line with his head up, you know where, and just stood there and let New York score. And if he stepped up and, and, and challenged or even just got off the line, the player could have been offsides or something like that. So so for me, I mean, New York, I just took advantage of something. And if you're a young player, go back and watch that. Don't ever stand on your line. Get out of the box. Get your line back up. So... Hopefully, uh, hopefully Houston can fix things as they take on DC. I know it sounds so random, but today's Gary cleverly coaching tip. You know, I I know it sounds so random, but dude, that's like U fifteen, man. That's like U fifteen coaching. Get off the line. Don't stand there. Garrett, settle down. That's not why they lost. They were outplayed. They were always going to lose. And hey, you know, you, I'm sure Dom Kinnear will have or has had a word with him with Warren Craval. Craval's a young player. I believe he's a second year player. He's still learning. He's come a long way. Let's face it. Uh, he's another one of those Dom Kinnear gems that, you know, he grabs in the draft and turns him into a player. So I, I think, you know, you'd be a little hard on the guy. I mean, I, I, not, in a, not in a playoff race, man. Not when you're only down one goal. You step up. The things could have changed. I know. Yes. Am I nitpicking? Yes. It's, it's but whatever. They should cut him. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the other issue is the fact that Tally Hall hasn't shaved his head yet. That's the problem. If you want to be a goalkeeper for the national team, you got to shave your head. I think I think you automatically become better if you shave your head. He needs well, to work on that. Trade-off, right? I mean, I don't think he likes shaving in general. He's his face, <laughs> so I, I don't know if he's going to shave his head. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's a reason I think why you see guys like him and uh, you know Dan Kennedy. You know, they have to make that decision. Do I? You know, I have you know Dan Kennedy's a great head of hair. You know, a guy looks like a supermodel. He's not going to just go bald if he doesn't have to. So that's the trade-off. What's more important, national team or a nice head of hair? I think it's debatable. I think some people will argue one way or the other. So I don't. That, that, that's, uh, it must be some secret pact, Ivis, that has to go back like 20 years, you know, that started with, you know, Friedel and uh, guys. I mean, I'm blanking on guys before him that had shaved heads too. Help me out here. It was after. Well, see, yeah, don't don't start with history, buddy. You're only like eighteen. Years I know. Old. I'm blanking. I'm you blanking on a lot of people. But I, I think since pretty much since Miola, since uh, he was like the last guy, he had so much hair. He had the mullet. He had the ponytail. Mm-hmm. And then after him, it's you know Keller, Friel, Howard, Hahnemann, Guzan. I mean, you name it. They Sean Johnson. Yeah, Sean Johnson. 
Once again, grows some hair. You get a little bit of you have some waves there. He's not bald. He he actually I don't I don't know if he's ever done the completely bald. I think Bill Hamid has done the completely That's bald. That's true. He has. Uh, but no, nah, I think Sean Johnson keeps a little bit up. I don't know if he looks good with a bald head. So well, Ivis, as New York is rolling right now, another team that's floundering is the Seattle Sounders. They go. Oh, that's I don't know if that was a good choice of words by you, buddy. <laughs> uh, poor, folks in Portland are loving you right now, but uh, get, get ready to get just completely hammered on Twitter now. Well, I'm, I'm being nice. I'm being nice. But hey, I mean, come on. You said it best before the show. Seattle got into the playoffs. How, Ivis? Refresh my memory. Uh, you said they got into oh, the Mexico oh, 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 win. That's right. Yeah. Seattle, uh, they lost their fourth straight, but they still somehow managed to get into the playoffs. Yes, folks, they Mexicoed their way into yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, another interesting game for Seattle. I mean, I wouldn't say that FC Dallas beat, like, defeated them. I mean, because Seattle had their chances. Brad, Brad Evans had an opportunity. Clint Dempsey had an opportunity. They just couldn't finish their chances. And, and FC Dallas, the one thing that they're good at all year, Ivis, is set pieces. They get a set piece goal. Matt Hedges scores the opening goal. They score another one late, just a, a gift opportunity, uh, just a fortunate bounce on the back end. But for Seattle, Ivis, I mean, they, they have some serious issues that they need to clean up as they get into the playoffs. And, I mean, I, where, where do they begin? Well, I'll tell you what. First thing, number one. Give give FC Dallas some credit. They played well. They played their best game in, in a while. And, and I, one thing I will say is this, right? I, I found it interesting. There was this whole storyline uh, on that day about Shellis Hyman, how it was its last home game. The players are playing for him. They wanted mm-hmm. to go out with a win. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if they wanted to play for him, why didn't they play for him when it mattered? Why didn't they play for him when they were in the playoff hunt? Because I got to tell you, the sense I got about from that team, I don't want to say they quit on him, but they didn't, they just weren't buying into what he was selling. They 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 he he wasn't motivating them. He he didn't get them to play well enough down the stretch. So it, it just seems odd that here he is. He he announces his resignation. He's not going to come back next year. And all of a sudden, this Dallas team wakes up, plays a good plays their best game in a while, and, and really puts in a game that that shows you what maybe could have been right. I mean, they, with the talent that they have. You'd, you'd like to think they, that they could have been a playoff team in the, in the first half of the season. All up, by all accounts, they look like a playoff team. So they, you know, for whatever reason, they put in a strong effort, and it came against a Seattle team that still just is not clicking. I know they have injuries. I know they're missing guys. They're missing uh, Eddie Johnson. They're missing Obafemi Martins. Uh, so, but still, there's still enough talent on that field. Yeah. There was still enough talent on that field for them to to score goals, create chances, and they're just not clicking offensively. They're just not. It's not a well-oiled machine right now. It, it, it just. I mean, I get Dempsey's trying. I mean, he's trying to create some things, trying to make some things happen. He set up that one great chance that Brad Evans couldn't finish. So he, he he's really, you know, as as much as he's struggling, he he is he is creating chances, creating opportunities. But the team just is not playing well and. Uh, time's running out on them. I mean, they're in the playoffs now, so you know now they can kind of focus on that. But it's not getting any easier for them. I mean, if they end up having to play Colorado in the play in the in the one game playoff, I mean, we all know what happened the last time they played Colorado. So that you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, anything's possible. I'm I'm not ready to write them off because until I hear otherwise on Eddie Johnson and Obafemi Martins, if those guys can come back. They have a chance, and I mean, think about it. They didn't. Even, they didn't even have Osvaldo Alonso for this game. He was suspended, mm-hmm. obviously, for the red card against Portland. Uh, you know, for the elbow to the neck of Will Johnson. Uh, but I think once they get him back, once they get uh, Johnson, uh, Eddie Johnson, and Femi Martins back, I think they still can be a force in the playoffs. But uh, they need to play. They need to. They need to be better than they had been. 
the Portland game, I thought they showed a little more. But this Dallas game just wasn't good enough. Well, Seattle has a big game on Sunday coming up against the LA Galaxy. Both teams going to be competing to not finish in fourth in the Western Conference. But not to look too far ahead, Ivis. But let's just look at Seattle as a whole. Let's. I mean, they've already qualified for the playoffs. Let's say they go into the playoffs and fall flat on their faces. Does Ziggy Smith? I mean, is he still there next year? If they don't wait, well, they're in the playoffs. Right? Well, as I'm saying, let's say they go in. I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, they're in the playoffs. But let's say they fall flat on their face in the first game. What happens next? Oh, if they lose in the wild card round, I think he could definitely get fired. And I think even if they, uh, I think he's going to have to get to the Western Conference Final to guarantee himself a job next year. I really think that's the case. You know, the the sense I get out of Seattle is is that he's not on the strong, on the most stable of grounds. And you know, fair or not, that's the reality of the situation. And you know, you when when your team invests as much as Seattle has on that squad. Uh, you have expectations that you need to meet, and and, and he they haven't done that this year. Um, you know they they you know they didn't win the Open Cup. They um they, they just haven't gotten it done this year. So he still has a chance to redeem himself in the playoffs. Seattle as a team has a chance to redeem themselves. And yeah, and I, I agree, man. I think I think they could. The Sounders could be playing for City Schmidt's job right now. Yeah, it, 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 hey, that game on Sunday is going to be great, man. Even though both teams are in the playoffs, they, I mean, they don't want to finish fourth. Heading back to the Eastern Conference, the Montreal Impact at home defeated the Philadelphia Union two to one. Uh, I think you and I were both wrong in our prediction of this game. We both thought the Union were going to win, and they did have chances. I mean, I thought Connor Casey had a pretty good game, but I mean, interestingly enough, we talked about this how important it was for new, for the Union on the road to get. Uh, an early goal. They they did get a goal around the 30th minute, and then all of a sudden, just right after that, I mean, Montreal just woke up, and I mean, it was the Marco DeVaio show, and he put the team on his back, in my mind, and they got the victory. Justin Mapp, I thought, had one of his best performances of the season, and for Montreal Ivis, I mean, talk about a huge victory at home over Philadelphia, and I believe they ended a three-match home losing streak, so I mean, that was a huge victory for them over Philadelphia. Well, you said it all, man. There's not much left to say. Say about that game. You the <laughs> so I'll just wrap it up and say yes, I agree. Oh, stop it! Come on. What do you, what's your takeaway from that game? What am I going to do? You see, you cover like eighteen topics. <laughs> keep it. Focus on one topic when you lead into a game. That's all I ask. <laughs> Leave me something. Leave something on the phone for the rest of it. Don't you but realize say, this is the Garrett Cleverly show now, man? Come on. <laughs> uh, if only that were true. Um, look, you know what? I'd say this. I I was surprised by Montreal's reaction just because they hadn't shown it in the past few. In the past few weeks, they hadn't shown that quality. Um, but, yeah, like you said, they woke up. And, you know, I think that was the case of their experience and their maturity winning out over the union's mm-hmm. lack of experience. And the union had that game. They had it in They had it in their sights. If they win that game, I mean, the, the things are so different for them now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're a young team. They're going to learn. They're going to have their going pains. I've been saying it since day one that I think they're a team that – had been overachieving, but I, I just didn't see them making the playoffs this year. And they're not eliminated yet. No. But at this point, after that loss, I mean, a lot has to go their way. I mean, they're going to need help from multiple teams mm-hmm. just to get in. And I, I know folks in Philly don't want to hear about rebuilding. I don't. I know they don't want to hear about the team needing to grow up and needing to gain this experience. But they, that's what they've done. That's what this year really has been for that group. Is has been a, a year of getting experience. And they have a nice nucleus there. They have, the fact of the matter is, they've got at least a third of their salary cap tied up in dead money. They need to go into the off season and free up that salary space. They don't get it all freed up, but they, they get a good majority of it freed up, and they can go out and spend. They can go out and make the team better 
And with those players that have matured, that've got another season under their belt, I think twenty, I think in twenty fourteen, they're going to really have a chance to do some things. But this year, I think they've just been too inconsistent. They they've impressed at certain points, but uh, just way too inconsistent. And and you know, I think it, at the end of the day, it bit them. And this was a game they had. They had this mm-hmm. game. But Montreal, credit to the impact. They woke up. They 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 saw it. They saw they saw the end of the season coming. If they didn't win that game, they, you know, I think they they could have seen themselves totally roller skating out of the playoff picture. But credit to them, credit to Devayo, who he's absolutely an MVP candidate, MVP finalist. Uh, I have to think about him as an MVP. Like if mm-hmm. he, I wouldn't say he has my vote, but he's definitely in in the top five without without question. And I thought he did a great job. Yeah, it's he's look, he's having an unbelievable season for for Montreal. Montreal right now third in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia has dropped down to seventh with forty six points, and for them to make the playoffs, Ivis, they have to hope that DC United beats the Dynamo this weekend and the New England Revolution lose to Columbus. I, I see that's just that's that, well, that's, that's that's a tall task. They, that's that's not what they need. They need two of the four teams ahead of them to lose, and they need to win. Yeah, and yeah, and they need to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, those two teams. It, it, yeah. It's not well. I mean, the fire could lose too, right? Or they, would they, they still not catch them? No, they wouldn't. Yeah, New England and Houston. Uh, Houston, <laughs> if you're Philly and you're looking at the schedule and you're thinking, Houston gets D.C., New England gets Columbus, we get Sporting Kansas City. Uh, it's tough, man. It's it's it's, it's going to be a tough one. So, uh, I mean, credit to Montreal. They've set themselves up. I just wonder what they have left. You know what I mean? Like, I just wonder, because we've seen the impact really struggle in the, late in the season. They're, they're an older team. You see Alessandro Nesta limping off. You, you, you wonder what he has left in the tank. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs. And I think for me, looking at the, the other teams that are probably going to be in the playoffs in the East, I would take the fire over the impact as far as a team that could do something. Oh, but for sure. at the end of the day, it's still those top two teams. It's still the Red Bulls in Kansas City. I know the Red Bulls are, are, are kind of the flavor of the moment right now. And, and, and you know, credit to them. They've been playing great and their fans are rightfully excited. I still have to think Sporting Kansas City, I think, is the team to beat there. Once you get into the playoffs, when you just talk about the experience that they have, they've gone through those battles in the Eastern Conference playoffs for the last few years now. And I think that you know, if if the Red Bulls stumble, uh, Sporting Kansas City gets that top seed, it's going to be pretty tough to beat them up with it. Well, speaking of teams that are battling for a playoff spot, New England Revolution defeated the Columbus Crew this weekend, three to two. Columbus had an outside chance to make the playoffs. New England shut them down, told them what's what defeating them. It match kind of turned into a track beat, track meet, excuse me. But New England outran them. Diego Fagundes having an unbelievable season, stepped up big for them with an opening goal. I mean, sorry, not an opening goal, a late goal for the game winning goal. And uh, Ivis New England found a way to get into the playoffs. Again this weekend, they should defeat Columbus and, and find a way to get into the playoffs. And hey, look, they're an exciting team to watch with all the talent they have up front. And I mean, they they did a very very impressive result over Columbus at home. I don't think anyone was surprised by that. You know, I mean they they they're playing well. They're playing with some that. Like I said, the night of the game, that game against the Red Bulls, as much as it was a case of them dropping late points with the Tim Cahill mm-hmm. uh, late goal, I still feel like they came away from that game with confidence with a chip on their shoulder and a belief that, hey, we pushed the quote-unquote best team in the league to the brink. We should have won the game, and and we're that close. So I think that they came away from that game of confidence, and you're seeing that now. And, and, and you know, obviously at home, they're so tough to beat. Uh, their defense just doesn't give much up at, uh, at Gillette. And, and, and now they've got this win. Uh, you can't take anything for granted, man. If anyone 
one, I mean, if you've learned anything following MLS, it's, you can't say, oh, well, they go, they should win next week. No, there's, everyone, like, there's a lot of games that should happen a, way, a certain way, but so often that's not the case. So I wouldn't write off the crew just yet. The crew, they're yes. Are they done? Yes. Are they, are they the playoffs are a wrap for them? But you know what? If anything, I think the fact that they don't, don't have that pressure, the fact that they can just go home and play their last game and, and, do some damage. I think they can. They can do that. I think if I remember correctly, last year the last game of the season, uh, they put on a show, even though the playoffs were out of the picture for them. So I wouldn't write them off just yet. I think they're going to give New England a real tough, tough test. And you know, at the end of the day, it might not even matter for New England because they're, they're still a bit. Um, you know, they, if they win, they're they're. It, look, let's look at the standings. If they win, they're in, right? So you like to think they keep it going, but Columbus, I'm telling you, as you know, they've, they 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 are dangerous. And Damaduro as as you said earlier when we were discussing this game, Damaduro looks really yeah. dangerous right now. He's and he's 13 goals, a, a, a career best for him in his season. I, and the other thing, Ivis, I mean, you and I have talked about this. Columbus has talent up top. They, they need to work out their defense. But but I'll raise this question to you. I mean, Brian Bliss has come in and, and done a very good job the last two months of the season for the Columbus crew. I mean, is it enough for him, do you think, that – Columbus would name him manager, or do you think they're going to go out and get someone else? I don't think he's going to get the job. Uh, personally, I don't. I mean, not, not to say he doesn't deserve it, not to say that he hasn't done admirably since replacing Robert Rozia. I just don't know if he's the guy. I, just, I think, you know, when you have a new owner like Columbus has, and, and, and he has pretty much, uh, you know, he, he, he can hire whoever he wants. And there's a long list of candidates. There's a lot of reports coming out of Columbus. The Columbus Dispatch has been all over the coaching search, obviously. So we've heard everyone from Brad Friedel to Guillermo Barros Chiloto. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, these are guys obviously who know the league and, and who would be great, great options. And I, I think if those guys are realistically interested, I mean, Chiloto has never has never made it a secret that he he'd like to come here and he'd like to coach. If they can hire him, you hire him. You know, I think he's he went to he went to Argentina. Did really well there as manager, so he has shown that he can make the transition to to the coaching uh, to to the coaching rank. So, I think from that standpoint, if anything, Brian Bliss it, it probably hurts him the fact that he's been around the club so long, uh, been been a part of kind of the the brain trust there for for all this time now, post Siggy Schmidt, and, and you know they haven't really lit, they haven't really torn it up. So credit to him, he's done a pretty decent job as an interim coach, but I, I just don't think he's going to get the job. That doesn't mean he can't stick around and maybe uh, stay on as technical director, but um, I don't know if he gets a job. I think someone like Skiloto or Brad Friedel, I, th- I think you know you might see one of those guys get the job. Uh, over in the Western Conference, the Colorado Rapids defeated the surging Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, defeating them 3-2. to two. Gabby Torres had an unbelievable game, had two goals. His second goal, the match-winning goal, unbelievable strike from outside the 18. Uh, everyone needs to watch that video. Uh, Deshaun Brown had a goal in this game, so we saw the young guys stepping up for Colorado. Ivis, they haven't qualified for the playoffs yet. They're doing another home-and-home home with Vancouver. Uh, but still, I mean, another impressive result for Colorado at home. We see the young guys stepping up, and, and a very good job to shut down a surging Vancouver Whitecaps team. Well, Colorado is, is not mathematically clinched, but uh, I'd say it's a safe bet they've clinched because um, the tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker, tiebreaker is points, the second tiebreaker is wins, and the third tiebreaker is goals scored. And even if San Jose wins next week, Colorado loses, they'd be tied on points, they'd be tied on wins. 
but then goals scored, Colorado would blow away San Jose. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Colorado's in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, I think that's that's pretty much a given. If anything, the question now is where do they end up in the top five? Because, I mean, in theory, they could, they could finish uh, looking at the standings. They could finish first. Colorado could, in theory, if things break their way, could finish at the top of the table with 54 points. Uh, and they'd finish if Portland lost. If everyone else lost and Colorado won, Colorado would finish first. I don't know if that's. I don't think that's going to happen. But just goes to show you how tight the Western Conference is. Um, Colorado. I got to say, I got to give a lot of credit to Gabby Torres, Gabriel Torres, the Panamanian. I mean, think about it. On Tuesday, to have your heart ripped out of your chest mm-hmm. and have, have your World Cup dreams dashed, and then to come right back on the weekend and have the kind of game that he had. And he wasn't alone. I mean, you had Jaime Pinedo with the LA Galaxy. You had Blast. President with SC Dallas uh, coming off the bench, helping them uh, to the win. And mm-hmm. so all those guys, you got to give them credit, applaud them. They, they, they all stepped up. And Torres especially, uh, like you said, he had that absolute golasso, the left-footed blast to win that game for them. And, um, you know, for Vancouver, they showed a lot of flash late in the season. They showed a lot of attacking menace. But at the end of the day, they just weren't consistent enough. And I really think that that's going to ultimately be why Martin Rennie gets the boot. I don't think, he's, I don't think he'll be back. I think he'll join... Uh, Shell assignment, you know, obviously we've talked about this for a few weeks now that I thought those two guys would go. Uh, and now that they haven't made the playoffs, I just can't imagine, um, based on, on this second half collapse, how, how Vancouver could justify keeping them. No, you're you're right. I mean, the thing with Vancouver is the quality's there with guys like Manet, Kenny Miller, Camilo up top. Um, Kofi in the in the back, so I mean Vancouver does have quality. I mean, yeah, maybe they need a guy who's not going to tinker as much. But but going back to Colorado, Ivis, um, I mean this team has shown late in the season here that they can be very very dangerous once playoff time hits. And let's just, I mean, like you said, barring some bizarre circumstance where Colorado somehow does not make the playoffs, how dangerous do you think this Colorado team can be, or are they still a year away? Uh, I. Look, when you look at it, I don't know if there's a team in the in the entire conference that they'd have to be afraid of. I think they could realistically go in any series and think they have a chance. And you look at uh, the quality, the the young players who've developed some of the and the, the summer additions. When you talk about Vicente Sanchez mm-hmm. and, and Gabby Torres, I mean those guys have really put them over the top right now. I wouldn't say they're favorites. I mean I still think the the, the to the four teams ahead of them when they're at their best, they're still probably a notch above right now. But Colorado has shown that they can play at a different level, at a, at a gear that can allow them to compete with any of these teams. So it's going to be fun to watch them as as this kind of young, new team, watch them and see how they come together, see how they match up against some of these other teams. Because the pressure is really going to be on whoever they face. Because, you know, when you look at the four teams that are also in the playoffs there, uh, well, Portland, I guess you could say, is a bit of an exception. Because Portland, you know, not many people thought they'd even, you know, go Going into the year, not many people thought Portland would even make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. there's not a ton of pressure on them. I mean, obviously their fans want them. Uh, Caleb Porter's going to put pressure on his own team. Will Johnson's going to put pressure on them. Their own fans are going to put pressure on them. But when you look at the other teams, LA Galaxy, they're the defending champs. They're expected to get to the final win, the final. Seattle, with all the money they've spent, they, the pressure's on them. Real Salt Lake, pressure's on them. So if you're Colorado, you play any of those teams, you go into the series knowing, thinking, well, we got nothing to lose here. We're not the we're the underdog, right? And and they have the players to beat any team that doesn't bring their a game. So you know, I, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch, um, a, a much more more attractive style team than we're used to from Colorado. I mean, let's let's be honest. For a few years, 
for several years they they, they played a, a pretty ugly st- uh, brand of soccer and now under Oscar Pareja with some of the additions and some of the rookies that have come along they are a fun team to watch they're a dangerous team and they're they're a team that's uh, they could absolutely knock some some big teams off staying in the west we should have expected this Ivis after seeing so many fireworks between these two teams over the last couple of matches since August of course they go out there and play to a scoreless draw. Big props to Nick Romando with that double save at the end of the game. That was unbelievable. Uh, and the most important thing for both teams, Ivis, is that they both picked up the point. They both qualified for the playoffs. And as you said, for Portland, I mean, they're first in the Western Conference heading to the playoffs. So, I mean, if you're a Portland fan, you have to be very happy. You're probably still disappointed you couldn't defeat Real Salt Lake at home. But, I mean, still, you have to be happy with the point and happy with the uh, with the lead in the Western Conference they have. Right. I mean, they're, they're top of the table in the West. Uh, clearly the tough for the two conferences and not, not to take anything away from the Red Bulls and any of the teams in the East, but I think it's pretty common knowledge. And I think anyone, you know, realistically and objectively looks at the, stand, the conferences, the Western conference is a tougher conference and Portland for them to turn the season, turn the team around from last when they were just horrible to go from that to being in first place in the West. I mean, that for me, it's, it's a no brainer that Caleb Porter is coach of the year. Uh, I know there's this kind of building momentum, especially from East Coast media, uh, on Mike Pecky. And, and, you know, if they win the Supporter Shield, he should get it. And I, I, I'm not a subscriber to, to that belief. You know, I think he deserves credit. I think he'll be a finalist. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, ask yourself this very simple question. When the year began, where did you expect the Red Bulls to be when the year was over? And where did you expect the Timbers to be when the year was over? And I can guarantee you... More often than not, people had the Red Bulls finishing top three in the East. I mean, that's pretty much standard for standard fare for them. They were a playoff team who got better, got more personnel, got a full year at Tim Cahill. They were going to have a good year. I mean, that wasn't even a question. The question was, was, was Mike Pecky going to be able to manage the locker room, get them to buy into what his philosophy was, and get them to play well as a, as a group? And he did that. Credit to him. All, all credit to him. He did a great job. Assistant coach Robin Frazier. Played a big part in that, and I think that gets forgotten a bit because I think people who aren't that familiar with MLS and don't don't follow the league that closely or haven't for years don't grasp the fact that there's so many little intangibles. Hiring a coach with the experience of Robin Frazier as your assistant was a masterstroke by the Red Bulls. When, when you're talking about having a first-year coach, and I think that's big for them. As far as Portland goes, I mean, the turnaround that they've had, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you got to remember the type of season they had last year. They were a soft team. They were a weak defensive team, and they were a team that was, wasn't necessarily a force at home. And look, look at all those things turn around this year. This year, they're, they're a beast at home. They're, they're no, you, no one's calling them a soft team. They, they can absolutely stand toe-to-toe with you and, and get physical with you. And, and they're, just, they're just so much better now. So I think for me, as, we've, as I've been saying now for a few shows, there's, a three, there's three finalists for me, Coach of the Year finalists. Mm-hmm. There's Caleb Porter. Oscar Pareja and Mike Pecky, and and those three are all very deserving of consideration. Those, and, and I don't think I wouldn't say anyone's out of line for voting any of them. But when you, you when you think about Coach of the Year, you can't you, you have to look at the whole picture and ask yourself what team they had to work with, what team they inherited, what the what the circumstances were, and you know what? For me, Caleb Porter gets it hands down, and I'd say Oscar Pareja second because look at all the injuries that they went through at the beginning. Of the year. First of all, they weren't expected to do much, right? Who had them in the playoffs? Did you have them in the playoffs? Well, I didn't. Have well, them first off, both Portland and Colorado. I think people had Portland finishing what, maybe fifth in the West, if that. Uh, that yeah, I didn't see many of those. Yeah, 
But but in Colorado either. Colorado I don't I didn't see any anyone having Colorado as a playoff team. Oh I did. So I had him for I had him first in the West. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We had to go back and listen to that previous show. But listen, they, they they so not only were they coming into the year with low expectations, but then they had a rash of injuries. Matt Pickens, their starting goalkeeper, out. Edson Buttle, out. Martin, Martin Rivero, you name it, they were injured for that team. And then for, so for Oscar Pereja to navigate through all those early season injuries and put a team together that could get results. I mean, wow, like that, that it's easy to forget it now because – They've moved past that. A lot of their injured guys are back. Now they're this an extremely deep team. So you, it's easy to kind of forget the job that he's done. But I, I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to forget it. I gotta, you you got to remember that. you got to give him the credit for it. So I'd say that's the three. Uh, and, and, you know, when it comes to all these awards, it's so it's so tricky, you know, because, I mean, it can be, it, it you know, a lot of times it can come down to a popularity contest. It could come down to what market the candidates are from and if they have if they have a lot of media from those markets. So it's it, rarely is it really the truly deserving guy, but we'll see. I, I'd say all three of these guys are deserving. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up getting voted coach you're, of the year. You're right, man. It's 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 always that East Coast bias, man. They just ruin it for everyone. <laughs> it's not even that, you know. It's it's a little bit of East Coast. No, I know how it is on the East Coast. You guys can't. You guys can't. Latino. No, no, no. Stop Listen, it. Stop it. There's a Latino it. media voting block. I can tell you right now. There's a Latino media voting block that has power, and that. Has helped swing certain awards, and I'll tell you right now, uh, if Oscar, no one should be surprised if Oscar Pereira wins the whole thing. A, he he deserves consideration by all means, but I can guarantee you, ninety percent of Latino media, and I'm talking Spanish speaking media, uh, a, a good percentage of that media are going to vote for Oscar Pereira because you know he speaks Spanish. They've interviewed him. They had they, they have a rapport with him as opposed to these other coaches who they don't talk. Dude, that's just how it goes. It's, it's been like that for years. I've seen it firsthand, and, and, and people don't even realize that when it's some of these awards end up get, uh, you know, leave you scratching your head. How did this guy win? How did that guy win? A lot of times it comes down to that. You know, if you're a media savvy, Spanish speaking candidate for an MLS award, you've got yourself a voting block that's going to help you. Well, of course. It's, I mean, it's also the team that you watch a lot, too. I, I, look, I, I think obviously we, we took every person that had a vote and put it into a map and then did geographical. I think we wouldn't be surprised to see people up in the Northwest predominantly voting for for Caleb Porter people in New York area your area voting for Mike Petke I mean you're right I mean it's all what you watch but I was gonna say people on the east coast I mean I don't know how it is you guys stay up past 10 o'clock 11 o'clock at night to watch the west coast game so I mean I'm not gonna be surprised if east coast guys take the award I will not be shocked well, I, you know I, I'll say I'll speak for myself I watch all teams all leagues you're, you're an exception to the rule I agree well that's sad well unfortunately you got a case of the fact that there's a lot of people who vote who don't watch many games, and that's what it comes down to. And it's unsa- it's unfortunate. It's a little sad, but you know, you have that. I mean, you have, yeah, that's you the, have I mean, that's, yeah, but it's like that for every voting it's, in every league. Yeah, you're right. But you know what? A lot of different leagues do it differently in, in terms of who gets a vote, how many votes there are. It's imperfect, but you know what? At the end of the day, as long as someone who as long as someone who did a great job gets honored, I think that's. I mean, that's the best you can hope for. So, uh, as I've said repeatedly, if any of those guys wins. It's hard. No, no one can go really, really crazy about it. I just think if you look at it really objectively, the top three in order should be Porter, Pereja, and Pecky. But we'll see. We'll see when the votes come up. I would, I would switch Pereja and Porter in, in my ballot. Um, I have a Chicago Fire took care of business against uh, Toronto FC this weekend. Mike McGee with another goal. I think if the Fire make the playoffs, Mike McGee will for sure win the MVP. Uh, I'm sorry. Don't be so sure, my man. 
I agree with you that he should be MVP, but it doesn't mean he will be MVP. Well, then, then who is? I mean, look, MVP's most valuable player. There is, so that, without see, question, that's, without that's, question that's, how it, valuable he is to that team. subjective definition. That's the thing. There are, there are people who vote for MVP, and in their mind, MVP means best player. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean most valuable. Well, that, no, that's how it, I'm telling you. I know. Those, those people, people, those people I'm, I'm sorry, are, are stupid. S-T-O-O-P-I-D. <laughs> that's how stupid Listen, they are. That's just how some people are. I mean, look, I mean, all you got to go back, look at Dwayne D. Rosario. The guy had an outrageous year. All credit to him. But was he really the most valuable player? How valuable can you be if you can't even get your team into the playoffs? That was my argument the year. that there was Nothing against D. Rosario. I mean, great player, one of the best players in the history of MLS. But I didn't think he should have won MVP the year he won. I thought Brad Davis should have won. But that's how it goes. And I can tell you right now, Mike McGee, he absolutely deserving of MVP. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy comes over to a Chicago team that looked awful, and then he helps turn things around there. He was doing great with L.A. L.A. misses him. He goes to Chicago, does great there. He should be the MVP by all accounts. But you know what? There's going to be votes going other ways. There's, gonna, there's, there's a segment of fans, that a segment of media. Uh, and there's a segment of folks who are going to vote for Robbie King. There's a section of folks who are going to vote for Marco Devaio. Canada is going to. Yeah, I was going to say, everyone in Canada is going to vote for Devaio. All the Canadian media is going to vote for Marco Devaio. And then there'll be a couple of votes for Tim Gale, who I tell you what, for me, like, he's not going to win. But but the guy, and I've said it a few shows now, he absolutely should be on the ballot. Um, You can't just look at goal totals and assist totals. And and again, this comes back down to the team. People, you know, not enough people watch a lot of games, but anyone who watches the Red Bulls this year, he is head and shoulders, not even close. MVP of that team, MVP of that team. Nothing against them. They they have had other great individual performances this year. Luis Robles has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my boy, my boy. McCarty's been great. Johnny Steele's been uh, surprisingly uh, good. Like, I mean, he's exceeded expectations. Uh, So, yeah, then obviously you have Terry Henry, but Tim Cahill, when you talk about. Uh, scoring the goals, setting up some goals, box to box, giving them all sorts of effort, being a leader in the locker room, uh, and a like a leader slash coach on the field. I mean, he is the definition of valuable, most valuable, right? But you know what? He's not going to win. I, it, I'd say McGee, McGee deserves it, but you know what? He might not get it because I can tell you right now, Robbie Keane. He's got the star power. He's got the name. He's got the offensive stats. And there are people who are already chucking it up. Oh, Robbie Keane, he's the best player in the league. He's, he's put up outrageous numbers. He's going to get it. But you know what? He, I don't know. I, I don't know if I put Keane in my top three. You know, I'm, I'm looking at since Mike McGee's came over to the fire, fire eleven five and five. I, I, like, if, if people don't vote for Mike McGee, then they 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 don't understand what MVP voting is, and they shouldn't have a vote. It's most valuable, man. It's most valuable. I mean, you could make a case with Devio putting Montreal on his back this season. Right, I, right, right. It, uh, I, I just the, sometimes not, I wonder. It's not so simple. I'd I say for MVP, it's not as simple because look, yes, McGee, very very deserving candidate. Like if he wins, it would absolutely be fitting. He's probably going to get my vote. But you know what? I mean, Kale. You know, if they win, here's my thing, right? Support. If the Red Bulls win Supporters Shield, no player will have been as as key to that as Tim Cahill. So if you want to say the best player on the best team, why not Tim Cahill? Right? I mean, there you go. Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane is 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 an amazing player. Fun to watch. Puts up numbers like I mean, we're talking you know video game numbers. Uh, but is has he been more valuable to LA this year than those other guys? I don't know if that's the case because I can tell you what. Look, 
Landon Donovan has had some monster games as well, right? I mean, he hasn't. Robbie Keane hasn't been alone for all these numbers that he's putting up. Mike McGee, on the other hand, I mean, it's not even close. Who's the next leading scorer on the Chicago Fire? Come on, quick, let's see. Is it Niarko? Is it uh, is it Rolf? I mean, no one's even close. So, I don't know. For me, I'd probably go McGee and Cahill one, two. Don't forget Will Johnson. Even though I feel like you know Diego Valeri took a little steam away from Will Johnson. Johnson's MVP candidacy, and you have Devayo, and then you have Camillo. I mean, look, I mean, I know, look, they, yeah, he's having a good year. Playoffs, but he's, but again, they didn't make the playoffs. So for me, if you don't get your team in the playoffs, you can't be in the discussion. Yeah, unless you score like forty goals in a season, then yeah. then then I will consider it. But and, and <laughs> well, I think and I think you could say that Will Johnson was the first half MVP though. I, he well, he did. He was. He was. I would say that without question. He won't get MVP. He won't get a vote. He'll be a best selling player as he should be. Um, but I'd say my final, my, I, you know what? I'll put five guys on the bench. Yeah, give me five guys. Five guys in the belt. Mike McGee, mm-hmm. Marco DeVaio, Tim, Tim Cahill, uh, Robbie Keane. So that's four. Mm-hmm. Who are you missing? <laughs> you could do math. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Who's missing? Uh, man, I'm blanking. I had a fifth. I'll go with. I'll say Will Johnson. I, I don't think he'll get votes that many, but I'd say Will Johnson, beginning to end, beginning of the year to the end of the year, the guy was just the engine of that team. So there you go. That's my that, that's my top five. Uh, here, here's an interesting stat for you. Since Mike McGee went over to the Chicago Fire, the Fire have 11 victories. Other teams in that time frame, LA Galaxy have had 10 wins. New York has had 11. Montreal have had seven. And uh, I didn't have a chance to look up Portland that fast. But there you go. There's four teams right there. <laughs> I'd say this. That the one the stat you want to look at, uh, and I'm sure we could do the math pretty quickly. Where's Mike Donovan when you need him? He's he's our Portland writer. Oh, dude, he's swear, pretty good with stats, man. He pulls stuff out well, of nowhere. He, he I mean, I, he's like seriously. He's, he, every after every Portland game, he comes out with like a dozen random like stat facts about Portland. It's 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 hilarious. Yeah, Mike does. I want you. Yeah, he does a good job. People should follow him on Twitter, and he's an excellent writer for your website as well. Yes, sir. But uh, I say this, Mike McGee. The stat you need to look at is what the. What his te- what the record yeah is of his team all year? Let's look at the, you know you go ahead you you t- keep you continue. I'm going to do the math. While you, while well, the, I I I'll tell you right now. I mean, the fire had three wins, three wins in twelve matches before no, no, McGee that's came not over. What I'm getting at. No, no, let's just move on. I'll do the math while you talk. Let's just move well, on. What do, what do you want me to say? All right, here here we'll talk. Uh, Sporting Kansas City defeated DC United. Uh, over the weekend at home, uh, Sporting Kansas City established their place as the, uh, the at the time they had the lead in the Eastern Conference. They're still one point behind the New York Red Bulls. DC United officially now, well, they were before, but officially they'll finish with the worst record uh, in the league. I, you know, I, was, I will say that I thought DC has shown well over the last couple of weeks, especially since winning the U.S. Open Cup. But uh, I mean, Sporting Kansas City. Just too much Dominic Dwyer, I mean, fabulous player for Orlando City. People who follow the USL Pro very, very closely know what type of player he is. Um, he gets a goal for Sporting Kansas City, 1-0 over DC United. So, uh, I mean, a good victory for them right there. Um, Zuzi came in in the second half. I mean, I would say Sporting Kansas City was a little flat in the first half. Zuzi comes on, it changes a lot for them. So for Sporting at home, 1-0 victory over DC. I mean, look, it was like the fire game. I mean, it was expected in... They get the victory, so nothing, nothing too surprising out of that. It's just that 16, <laughs> 8, and six. That's the record of Mike McGee's teams when he's played in the game this year, whether LA or Houston. Yeah, I could be totally wrong. I totally threw that at the other, but the point is that when he's been on the field, his team his team wins more often 
than anyone else well, this year. Only two teams in the league have 16 wins, New York and Sporting Kansas City. So so there you go. That's, that's a very good stat, Ivis. And, to, for him to, and listen, for him to get that stat, joining a Chicago team that was completely out of the playoff oh, yeah. picture when he got there. I mean, uh, you know what? He, he's the MVP. He, well, I don't know. He, you never know what the voting, but I think he's a, he's a worthy, very worthy MVP. That's all I'd say. Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. The fire to have three wins out of twelve matches before he got there, yeah, that, that that's pretty good. Do, do you have anything to say about Sporting Kansas City, DC United? Anything relevant? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I tell you what, that 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 tandem of Dom Kinnear, Dom Kinnear, Dom Dwyer, there you go, Sad, those young guys. Uh, CJ they, they just, CJ Sapong had a good game too. He did, he did, but, but I mean, he's a little expected. I just think I think Saad and, and Dwyer are two guys who kind of have, have slowly crept their way into the into that into some more playing time. And the thing about Peter Vermees is right. Vermees doesn't care. He's not a guy who is not a, he's not afraid to bench a guy. He's not afraid to bench a starter, give, give someone else a chance, and, and give some other guys some minutes, some younger guys some minutes. And look, maybe maybe Claudio Beeler is the guy when the regular, when the playoffs come. Maybe he's not, but I tell you what, Dom Dwyer mm-hmm. and Sunni Saad are two two exciting guys that could really make can really do some damage. Uh, really good finishers, quick, uh, and, and they also combine for some of the funnier Instagram videos that you will see in MLS. Uh, as I've said before, MLS players in general need to step up their their social media game, their Twitter game, their Instagram game, and uh, I think and those guys they're trying to do it. They're trying to do it. So. Uh, not much to say for DC. Obviously, a lot of guys already are packed packed up for the year. Uh, they're 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 just playing out the string right now. But for KC, Ico Parra, man, I gotta say, he he he's uh, anyone who you know at the beginning of the year, I, I can't imagine a lot of people would have pegged him to play as many games as he's played. But uh, once again, that's another steal steal of a pickup mm-hmm. by Mister Pre- by uh, Peter Vermees. Yeah, he's looked outstanding this weekend. In the final game, the Sunday night game. I mean. Who I don't know if anyone watched this game because let's be real, everyone watched Walking Dead or they watched uh, Indianapolis Colts, Denver Broncos. But the Sunday night game, LA Galaxy, San Jose, ended oh, in a scoreless draw. Or, or Boardwalk Empire that was on Sunday. Night? I don't I don't watch Boardwalk Empire, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I do like Steve Buscemi though. He's a fabulous actor though. I don't. I feel like he doesn't he's, get enough. I feel like he doesn't get enough due. He's great. Yeah. Uh, LA. What, what can you say? LA San Jose. It, 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 no goals. Bit of an ugly one. LA had some chances. Um, Javier Pinedo, I gotta say, he, he as, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, he made some big saves. In San Jose, man, look at the, I mean, their defense has been unbelievable. For I think they've given up one goal in seven games, uh, but the, it might not be enough for them. Right now, they, they've pretty much been eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, I, I think, it, yeah, I mean, it's it, they'd have to score like twelve goals in the last game, and win, and have Colorado lose. So pretty much they're done. Colorado's in. Uh, um, but again, there's another question mark. Did Mark Watson do enough as interim head coach of San Jose? And I, th- I thought he, I thought he did a really good job. I thought he did a really good job. Is it going to be enough to to be the full time guy come 2014, or does San Jose have another trick up their sleeve? I think that 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 one bears watching. I know there's been rumors about Dom Kinnear possibly going to San Jose, and I wouldn't write those off completely. I think that there's absolutely a, a possibility of that happening. So. That one you want to keep an eye on. As far as LA goes, you know they get Robbie Rogers on the field, and I'm sure there were a lot of sarcastic claps for for him from from uh, bitter Galaxy fans who still <laughs> are trying to understand why in the hell they traded Mike McGee for a guy who hasn't played since July. 
Um, but as I said, I mean, I've said it before, you know, if, if, if Robbie Rogers gets healthy, if he can find some, find his form, he can help them. He can help them as a winger. Is he going to do what McGee would have done? No, obviously, you know what? They, they, they take a bath on that trade. Uh, they, you can't get the better of every trade. And let's face it, the galaxy more often than not through the years have been the ones on the fleecing end of trades this time around. You know what? They had to take it. They had to take a bad one. Um, but if you're an LA fan, Robbie Keane, Get Landon Donovan back healthy. You need. You still need to get. You know. You got Omar Gonzalez back. So you have to feel. Be feeling pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting your your full complement of guys back. You got a few rookies stepping up. Jossie Zarbus, obviously, this had quietly had himself a pretty solid year. You know, I mean, he was my rookie of the year pick before the season. Well, he hey, 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 if you listen to this show, you know he's not having a quiet year. We talk about him all the time. Right. I know, but I'm just saying statistically. I mean, yes. you know, when you got a guy like Deshaun Brown, who's got ten goals. Uh, you know, he, he's he's getting so much more publicity compared to some of the other guys like Yedlin, Deshaun Brown, Dylan Powers. Uh, he hasn't gotten the publicity, but but slowly but surely he has put it, he's made himself a force on that team. Mm-hmm. And for my money, next year he's going to be the best guy out of this class. Like now that he's you know got that year under his belt, he's healthy. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with this kid. So I think he is really becoming that third musketeer that they need to three peat. You know, you have you have Donovan, you have Keane. You can't win a title with just the two of them as you, as your key focal points of your attack. Zardis has given them a third option, and and it's come at the perfect time. So L.A. folks, L.A. the three peat is not uh, is by no means is it is it out of the realm of possibility. They're they're looking like a team that could totally turn it on right now. Uh, you mentioned before that San Jose has given up that goal thing. Uh, what it is exactly is in their last six games. Obviously, they've only given up one goal. And since Clarence Goodson has joined the club in nine matches, San Jose has given up six goals. So, I mean, we all know how good Clarence Goodson is. And, um, I mean, like you said, I mean, for San Jose, I mean, t- time, they're another team like Vancouver, man. I mean, time just, just, just ran oh, out I, on them. Oh, no, no, no. It's a little different. Vancouver, in the middle of the year, was as high as second in the West. That's so true. They, their collapse was second half of the season. They just slid out of the playoffs. San Jose started the year horrendously. So they dug themselves a hole that they had to climb out of. And actually, their second half of the season has been outstanding. I mean, if you if you look at since since Frank Gallup left and, and since uh, Watson took over, I mean, just look at their results map for San Jose. They probably, when you want to go over the last, like, 15 games, of the season, they're probably one of the top three teams in the league. Uh, just looking at this, this just look at their record right now. Let's see, three and one, four and one, four and one, five, eight, two and three in their last uh, however many that is. That's a pretty damn good run right there. But again, they dug themselves such a deep hole they couldn't get out of it. Ultimately, they have a lot of talent. They've got a stadium coming, right? I mean, obviously, it's a little later now than we thought it was going to be, but they do have a stadium coming. They so you, you like to think they're going to start spending some money on some big. You know, you know, high-profile players. They're a team that for next year, they get that allocation money for missing the playoffs. You would like to think they're going to spend some more money to, to help boost them going into a stadium. 2014 is going to be a very interesting year. And I, I want to see who's their coach. I want to see their coaches. Because I, I, if if they can get, if they can pry Dom Kinnear away from Houston, uh, that, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to watch. Because you put Kinnear back, bring him back to San Jose, and with with the quality on that team, it could be interesting. I think we should coach San Jose. I mean, you'd be an outstanding assistant coach because you'd always have funny <laughs> things to say to the referees, you know. And I'll be head coach, and then I don't know who we need for our goalkeeping coach, but I know someone we can go get. 
I got a few goalkeeping coach candidates. See, but see, there I, you go. Look at this. I'm Our staff's Coast, already I'm been assembled. I'm an East Coast, I'm an East Coast guy. Oh God, why do you have to I've hire even, East Coast I've people? Been, I've never even been to, to the back to the you know Bay Area. It's beautiful, this, man. Beautiful. Aside from layovers, aside from, I was just actually just in San, San Francisco, coming back from Portland. So for an hour. So there you go. It's beautiful up there, man. I love this. I, I hear. I hear. You know, hey, when when San Jose gets it back together and. Starts winning and dominating. I'll, I'll make make sure to get out there. Well, Ivis, that wraps up all our MLS conversation. I mean, we're gonna have tons to talk about over the next month, especially with the playoffs coming up. Uh, there's also a midweek game, RSL taking on Chivas USA. Uh, we do a show later this week. We'll, we'll preview that and talk uh, more MLS. But but we time to time to put a stop to all the MLS stuff because. Americans abroad play this weekend, and it was a uh, after some quiet weeks, Ivis. We we had a uh uh. I mean, uh, uh, impactful weekend, I guess you could say. Um, some guys getting goals, Johansson, Bedoya, and Terrence Boyd, all guys recently with the U.S. Men's National Team. So, I mean, it's good to see these guys, these young guys who are going to be key contributors to the U.S. Men's National Team over the next couple of years continuing to have uh, impressive seasons in Europe. Well, uh, it, Aaron Johansson is the guy that stood out. If there's a, if there's a Americans abroad of the week, uh, Johansson wins it, two goals and an assist in the first game for his new coach, Dick Advocat, and, and you were curious, you know, obviously when uh, Gertrude Verbeek uh, was fired or quit or whatever happened, whatever ended up happening with him leaving there, uh, there had to be a little concern and a little fear about what would happen. Who would be the coach? Who would be the new coach? How would they handle Johansson? Uh, but once they hired Dick Advocat, I mean, this guy, when you talk about a, a reputation, a really good reputation as a manager, uh, someone who I know Claudia Reyna speaks really highly of having played for him before. Um, you can just tell by the initial reaction from Johansson, two goals and an assist and a three one in a in a, a three goal win um it, you have to feel pretty good about about how his progression continues and uh you know I know everyone's thinking ahead to Brazil and where he'll be and where his development will be, and he is gonna be right there you know i don't I'm not gonna say he's gonna be starting come Brazil, but if he keeps on this track, it's gonna be hard to keep him off the field in Brazil. And you're right. Johansson is having an unbelievable season for AZ. Uh, down just south of Holland in France, uh, Alejandro Bedoya for Nantes got his first league goal of the season. So, I mean, he's the guy, Ivis, that's really coming to his own uh, over the last couple of months for the U.S. Men's National Team. And, uh, I mean, look, it's, it's good to see these guys performing for their clubs. Well, I got to say, when you think about moves, right, transfer moves uh, for players, um, there's been so many that left you shaking your head, left you worried, left you concerned. But I got to say, I don't know if there's been a better transfer move in, in recent memory than Alejandro Bedoya's move to not. I mean, we're talking about a guy who makes a big jump from Sweden to the French first division, and he hasn't he hasn't missed a beat. I mean, he's jumped right in, earned a starting spot, has played well, they're playing well, and now here he is. He comes off the bench. Uh, and it, it, I will, this is one thing I am going to say. I'm going to point this out to people because – it's it's a natural reaction for people when they see players not start, not get minute, or, or you know after a game or after an international break. You have to think about something, folks. When you got players coming off in an international break and they go back to their club teams, and those clubs have other options among players who weren't in the international breaks, who didn't play multiple games or who didn't log minutes in in their national teams games, chances are more often than not they're going to trot out those other guys who maybe are a little more fresh. So, so I, I would say don't always panic if you see a certain American player not play after international break because it comes down to that, you know? I mean, especially when you're talking about tough games, 
games, tough minutes. Um, club coaches are going to look at that. Club look, a club coach is going to look at, at at a player's at what they did with their national team and say, "Hey, well, this guy played you know 180 minutes or 150 mm-hmm. minutes in tough national team qualifiers. Like, if I have someone else who I can plug in who's more fresh and I can give this guy a rest, I'm going to do that because a he's probably tired." B, it gives my other guy a chance to get some minutes. And C, I don't want to wear this guy out. I don't want to wear, you know, this player out, uh, you know, who just played in these multiple games in qualifying and had to fly all the way back. You know what? Let me give the guy a rest. And so you saw that all over the all over Europe, you know, whether it's Mixed Discrude or Jeff Cameron, who didn't even play, or uh, Alejandro Bedoya, perfect example. He's a guy who has been starting regularly for not. This game he didn't start. He came off the bench. But what, do you, what does he do in nine minutes? He comes off the bench, scores the winner, 1-0, and now all of a sudden not a team that was just promoted, and a, a team with some great history, but a team who was relegated previously and had been promoted, and now they've gone from promoted club to fourth place in league, and that is impressive. And Bedoya, i got to say, outstanding move so far for him. Uh, Terrence Boyd, who's fallen off the radar. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to say fallen off the radar, but fallen off the, the depth chart for Forts, the U.S. Men's National Team with the emergence of Aaron Johansson. Had a PK goal this weekend. Um, he looked. I was, he had a fabulous season last year for Rapid Vienna. So, I mean, it's good to see a guy like Terrence Boyd continue what he's doing because I, I, I still think the future is very bright for him. Right. I mean, I think it's a case of, you know, when you have Josie Altsudor as your starter, and and he's he's more similar. He's a more similar player to Josie Outstore mm-hmm. than to Aaron Johansson. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say that Johansson's uh, emergence is cost Boyd uh, as much as jo- Josie Outstore just being there. Because look, I I don't think you're going to see a Josie Outstore Terrence Boyd tandem play together. I think they're too similar. I think you want somebody with a little more little shiftier, either speed, someone with the speed or technique. Uh, to kind of play off of Josie Altidore and Johansson is that has those qualities to be a good option in that regard. Um, but look, Boyd's young, right? I mean, he's not going anywhere. He, he this is his second season as a pro uh, in a pro league, and he's doing well. He's, he's not he's not scoring. I don't know if he's on the same pace as last year, but he is scoring goals. Um, and if he puts in another year like he did last year, I think I think after I think going into the World Cup, he'll be on the team. Maybe he won't get a ton of minutes, but he, I think he'll be on the World Cup team. And I think he's due next year. For a move up to a step up, whether it's the Netherlands or you know make a move to the Dutch league or maybe a return to Germany, I think he's someone that don't write him off, folks. Just because he's not getting minutes for the national team does not mean that he's somebody that you know you kind of write off already or, or you assume that he's just not going to ever develop. I mean, he's still too young to, to write off. That's I think that's crazy talk. I think he's developing well as a pro and and he still has a bright future. Um, not that we want to read into this a, a little too much, but uh, clearly Gus Poyet, the new manager of Sunderland, doesn't watch TV. He would have seen that Josie Altidore scored, but for some reason he put him on the bench. So I, I don't know what's going on with there. We shouldn't read into it. I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, but um, and Josie didn't start. I, I don't know if we should read into that too much, Ivis, but I mean, over the next couple of weeks, we should see kind of what develops out of this. But then again, I mean, We've talked about this. Josie's having a good year for Sunderland. They just don't have quality around him, and, and hopefully Gus Poyet can, can figure something out to get a guy like Josie going. Well, I just laid it out earlier. You're talking about a player in Josie Atsador who you know played heavy minutes in the international break, and now he comes back from international duty. He hasn't been in training with the team. Gus Poyet had training, obviously, even though it was the international break. He had all the players who weren't on their national team and when you talk about Sunderland, that's a lot of guys. So, you know, <laughs> jo- Josie, Josie Altidore, Josie Altidore didn't get the training reps that maybe, uh, you know, Steve, uh, Fletcher, 
uh, a big a big forward for them who's been injured and is now on his way mm. back. So so Poyet went with uh, went with him, went with Fletcher, and and I, I don't know if anyone should just press the panic button no. just yet. I think now that this week is behind him and Josie Altores can get back in, he can get back into the full flow of things, get into the re- the full reps of training sessions and. And, and it's going to be a battle because I don't know if Poyet's going to necessarily want to play uh, him and Altador together, um, Fletcher and Altador together, or or if he's going to just stick with one forward. But again, it's all part of the process, right? The battle for playing time. Mm-hmm. So Josie Altador is going to have to go through that. And you know, I don't think one game. I don't think after one game you want to necessarily press the padding button on that. Um, it hasn't been a great year, but I I still say that the experience that he's going through, the fight. For for playing time, the battles every week against some of the best defenders in the world is making him better. It's making him tougher. It's something he's going to have to go through. And uh, um, you know, I know people question the, the idea of confidence and it, will his confidence take a hit? Did that hurt him going into the World Cup? And I say, you know what? I think he's a mature enough player now yeah. that if he's not playing, it's not necessarily going to hit his confidence. Not like it would have when he was twenty or twenty-one years old. Yeah, no, that, that's right. Uh, another situation that, that maybe is closer to the panic button, and not that it's a bad thing, but that's just Michael Bradley coming off an injury. He, he's in the he's in the A-team, but he did not play, and it's going to be very difficult for him. We're going to have to pay attention because, I mean, Roma Ives are undefeated, uh, and they're just having a good season. And, and for a guy like Michael Bradley, I mean, he needs playing time, and he might have to move away from Roma. And, I mean, you said this over the last couple of weeks that, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if he did make a move um, come the winter transfer to get some playing time before the World Cup uh, next summer. Right. That, that, that's the tricky part because I know some people are going to look at it and ask, and ask, why would you leave Roma now? Why would you leave Roma when they're on fire? They're, they're running, you know, they're early front runners in, in, in Serie A. They're, they're kind of running, I mean, running away from it, running away from the pack as much as you can in October. Mm-hmm. They're 8 and 0, zero, t- zero losses, zero draws, playing outstanding. Um, why would he leave? Well, it's because it's simple. He needs playing time, and and no one's saying you, you he shouldn't stick around and compete. I think he's going to spend the next few months. But you know, when you when a team is playing as well as they are, and it's a team that's not in the Champions League, doesn't have those extra games, uh, it's going to be tough. You know, Dan- Daniela De Rossi and Kevin Strootman have formed a really good partnership in the middle. They're both playing well. The two guys playing pretty much where Michael Bradley would play. So it's a tough one for him. You know, and I. I I know he's a competitor. I know he's not afraid to battle for playing time. But when you're talking about a World Cup year, um, you got to be a little careful. You got to be careful, you know, how much time you let kind of you know waste away. And and it wouldn't shock me at all. I I, I would probably at this point put more money on him either going on loan or going or being transferred. I think I could steal the loan uh, away from there. I mean, he's too good a player not to be playing somewhere. And I, and I can think of there's plenty of teams, whether it's Italy. Whether it's whether it's the Premier League uh, that could use a player with his exact qualities and skill set, so I, I'd say come January, folks shouldn't be surprised if he makes a move, um, and and people shouldn't be, get too upset about it. That's just part of the deal, you know. When you go when you go to a team like Roma, when you take that step up, those are the challenges. Those are the the, the risks. Those are the challenges. And and it's just part of the deal, and, and it still doesn't mean that going to Roma was a bad move by no means. I mean, the experiences that he gained last year, playing in Coppa Italia, playing in huge games against top competition, playing alongside a legend like uh, Francesco Totti, and, and all the talent that they have on that team. I mean, that is making him a better player. I don't care what anyone says. So it, I still think it was a great. It has been a great experience for him, but at the same time, World Cup is this year. 
Maybe you would go on a loan and then see what happens after the summer. Because you know what? If he goes on loan to somewhere else in Serie A or he goes on loan to the Premier League, has a strong second half, mm-hmm. and then goes into the World Cup and has a strong World Cup, then all of a sudden you're talking about transfer offers for him, other opportunities for him, or even a better opportunity for him to start in Roma. Well, I mean, obviously, you talk about Michael Bradley's quality. I know a team that could really use Michael Bradley's quality. It's my co-ed team on Monday nights. So, I mean, a guaranteed starter, 90 minutes for him every single game. You know what I mean, think about that. Well, the upgrade from you to him would be like a Guinness record. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, We reached the end of the show. You know what that means. It's the SBI Q&A. Everyone can send in questions on Twitter at any time. Remember, hashtag Ask the SBI Show. Ivis and I always check, and we appreciate all the questions. Apologize. We don't answer your question, but just keep sending them in. We'll eventually get to you. First question comes from Raul. Is it a good idea for Aaron Johansson to leave AZ at the January transfer window? Is, is that a serious question? Uh, he, why? Here's my question. Wait, why are you making remember. fun of Raul? He's serious about I'm that question. Come on, fun of him. I just think it's ridiculous. No offense, but let me ask this question. Why in the world would Azed sell Aaron Johansson right now? Why? They 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 got him for a song just a year ago. He's killing it in the Dutch League. He's about to play in the World Cup this summer. Why in God's green earth would they even consider uh, selling him in a window when generally the prices are lower than they are in the summer? No, he is not going to be sold, nor should he be sold, nor should he want to be sold. He should play a full year, see, play a complete full season as a starter for Azed. And if he crushes it for the entire season, and if he has a good World Cup, mm-hmm. Azed will be able to name their price. And they'll probably turn their $3 million uh, investment into you know $15 million. So it's going to be a good bit of business for them. But it makes no sense for anybody for him to be transferred in the winter. That's a pipe dream. That's a fan's pipe dream. Uh, if you want him transferred in the winter, you know what you do? You go to FIFA 14, you set career mode, and you go buy Aaron Johansson and put him on your team. Um, didn't you, Wait, aren't you playing Portland career mode? Didn't you buy him? Who was, this, who was you buy? It was another guy. No, was... I, bought, <laughs> I actually bought Terrence Boyd. Uh, and uh, among other, I rated like all the MLS. Wait, 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 wait. I think all our listeners are going to appreciate this. Who is the team that you played as in your career mode? Well, actually, I've coached four different teams, but get this. I kept getting fired because <laughs> because of my sideline behavior. As, as it turns out, if you play FIFA 14 with your Kinect turned on and there's a lot of sound going on in the room when you play, the, the game perceives that as you being uh, vocal and loud and yelling at the referees. So basically, I had multiple teams fire me. So I think I, was, I started out as the Red Bulls. Got fired. Your team. Uh, I, I went to the Colorado Rapids. Did well there. Got fired. Uh, might and then went over to Portland and built a built a monster and and then a dream team and then uh, and then got fired and then I finally figured it out. I finally figured out what was happening and it, but then I couldn't. I could not go back and 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 then save the game before or the point where they fired me. So yes, Merrick Paulson on FIFA 14 fired me. See, this is why I don't play Kermo. This is why I just play Ultimate Team, because I don't ever have to worry about getting fired. Um, next question comes from Juan Carlo Serenas. Where does, but- I mean, we talked about this, but I'll, I'll let you have another take at it, Ivis. Where does Bedoya to not rank in the greatest all-time Yank moves to different club in Europe? Okay, it's way too early to start talking about <laughs> all-time. It's gotten off to a pretty good start. Let's talk 
next summer where he is where not is and what the year's been like then we can start talking about all-time greatest ever moves but i tell you what right now he's looking like the front runner for a move of this year uh next question comes from eric wilderson wow things are really coming down to the wire who wins the supporter shield uh it's hard to bet against the red bulls i mean they have to win at home where they've been really tough and uh and as much as i know the fire are going to go into that game in desperation mode. Um, the Red Bulls just stay, they're playing so well right now. They're playing as a team. They're playing with a lot of balance. Tim K. Hill's leading the way. Terry Henry is kind of, you know, taking a back seat. He's not forcing things. He's letting the team play. Uh, they're looking really good right now. Uh, if by some re- if, if in some some way the Fire can can find a way to take a point or three off of the Red Bulls then obviously that's going to open the door for Sporting Kansas City um, to take it. So I, nope. I think I think Casey – well, hey, Casey's right there. You know, they, they're going to Philly. Um, and it's not – not by no means it's going to be easy to get three points for, in Philly. But, uh, you know, right now the three teams are New York, Casey, and Portland. And uh, I think Portland plays Chivas. So – it's just a case of Portland. Uh, I'm going. East, I'm going Portland. I'm going Portland. Well, well, New York and Sporting totally... Kansas City both get draws. Portland gets a victory. They, that, they oh, get the that could, shield. That could totally happen. But again, Portland needs some help. And uh, yeah, so I, don't do. know, I don't know if both those teams lose. Uh, next question comes from Raul. Should I, I actually guess we have two questions from Raul? But this is underscore Bones. Um, yeah, we, have, we have multiple Raul's. Yeah. Um, question is prospects you want to see called up to the January U.S. Men's National Team camp. Do you, you can go first, then I'll say who I want to get called up. So, so don't. First, I, I hadn't thought about it. So well, you know, well, I mean, my thing is this: with January, Jurgen already has his twenty-three. Look, there might be a one or two guys that get called in, but I think it's a good opportunity for some younger guys. Maybe the, the you can maybe look at the future. I, I would love to see a guy like Chris Clute get called in. Some younger guys, maybe DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, these are guys that I wouldn't say that I, I want to see them just for the World Cup in Brazil, but for the future. I mean, realistically, I mean, what's he going to be able to get out of January? I one guy, if that, he has his roster set. I think it's an opportunity for some younger guys really to make it a, impress, make a, good, a positive um, showing for Jurgen in January. See, here's the thing. Once again, we fall into the trap of projecting and predicting Klinsman to do things that we've grown accustomed to seeing done with the national team. Years past... We've grown accustomed to the January camp being for young players, uh, guys with no caps, younger guys, and that just hasn't been the case. And 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 all everything you get out of Klinsman, every 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 sign that we've gotten lately points to that January camp not being one of those kind of camps. It's going to be a camp where all the MLS guys that are getting minutes now on the national team are going to be on that team, whether it's Beesler, Zusi, Goodson, Donovan. I think that's the group we're going to see. We could, we, we're going to. I think we'll see some new faces, obviously, because European-based guys are not going to get get released to come over. Tim Howard's not going to be able to come over. Jeff Cameron, um, you know, Jermaine Jones, Fabian Johnson, those guys aren't going to come. So there will be opportunities. But I think I feel like Jurgen Klinsmann has made it pretty clear he does not intend on bringing super young guys. So I don't think I think the U, I think the dream of U20 players being involved in this cycle. I just you just don't get the sense that that's something he wants to do or feels like he needs he, he needs to do. At least not yet, you know? I mean, I think look, if someone like Andre Edlin or Jose Villarreal lights it up at the begin going into next year, going into the spring and 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 April, May and and they're lighting it up and and just can't be stopped 
at that point, he has to think about it. But I just for January, I don't know if he's going to bring people in. I would like to see some guys just to see how they stack up. Um, there's someone like Luis Gill, who I think has a couple of years in now mm-hmm. as an MLS starter and is a more mature option. I mean, you know, John Yedlin, I know he's an exciting prospect. People love him. European scouts are already circling. Um, but is he someone that realistically is going to be an option for the World Cup? No, I don't think that's going to – I just think he's still – Still a bit of a raw diamond. He's someone who needs some more polish. Um, but someone like Luis Gill, absolutely. Someone like Perry Kitchen. Um, there, there's guys that, that you, you know, I think Klinsman could take a look at. But I, I really think he's, it's going to be a veteran group. Because now there's talk about that group going to Brazil in January. And, and you know, there being a camp here and then maybe going down to Brazil. So if that's going to be the case, he's going to want to bring as many of, of, of the guys who have been part of the group as possible. Uh, next question, Ivis, comes from CM Gunnels. Um, what is the best option FC Dallas could realistically bring in? Is that the entire question? Uh, well, he said, at Soccer by Ivis said coaches were important to quality of play. So well, who's the best option FC Dallas could realistically bring in? There you go. So there, so we're talking coaches. Yes. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, well, there you go. As a replacement, um, one name that I've heard, Oscar Pereja. I mean, we're talking about a former player, uh, former assistant there. He, he was he's a big, big part of of the youth development setup that they had. You know, they obviously had one of the stronger academy setups in, in in MLS, and he was a big part of that. So I know he's done really well in Colorado, and you know maybe they wouldn't be so quick to let him go. And who knows what his contract situation is? But I think if it's possible. I think if his contract situations, if his contract situation allows it, I could I could absolutely see Perihan going back to Dallas, and I think I think he's shown well this year. I think this year with the year that they've had and Colorado's had, I think he has shown he's he's viable. He's a he's a good he's a good candidate. So I could see that move, and then from there, where does Colorado go? That's a good question. You know, maybe someone who I know has been linked to, to Colorado in the past is John Spencer, um, the former Portland Timbers head coach. He, Houston assistant Robin Frazier is another name. Uh, obviously, the lead assistant on the Red Bulls and a really big part in the success that they've had this year. Even though you know folks in New York uh, seem to be completely overlooking that fact, um, but so there, there's some options. There's some guys out there, and obviously, there's a laundry list of former coaches who just it seems haven't gotten a sniff. Um, whether it's Dennis Hamlet. Um, I think you know Richie Williams for me. I know with the U seventeen is not qualifying, his his stars faded a bit, but I think he's someone who needs to get, be considered. I know John Harks is is putting his name in the ring for a lot of these jobs, and everyone's favorite wild card, Eric Winalda. I still don't think anyone's going to hire him as a head coach, but you know it, it, it'd be it'd be fun to see how that would work out. But uh, there's options. It's there's good to have dreams. Out. <laughs> there you go. There's options out there. So uh, it, it, this this off season is gonna. You're talking when you want to talk about dominoes falling in the coaching coaching ranks. When you know FC Dallas's job is open, Vancouver's job's probably gonna be open. Uh, the Columbus job is open. Uh, San Jose is probably gonna be open. Van, it, it is more. I think gonna be more job openings this year than. Uh, I can't remember the last time there were that as many job openings as we're likely to see this this off season. Uh, next question comes from Troy Lafleur. Ivis is the keeper. Garrett is shooting. What could be what could be the game winning PK of a shootout? How does this end? 
Well, we already know that Garrett's uh, not a clutch PK taker. So oh, yes, we already like do know ch- that. I, li- <laughs> I like my chances. I-, I need to be raging before I take like a PK. Like I, I need to be like beast moding. And when I'm not beast mode, like I'm, my mind's in like 50 places. It's... All I gotta say is, don't let my size fool you. I'm pretty quick. We well, you I'm know, Zach, hey, I'm Zach Thornton S when it comes to really quick big guy. You know, when we go to the MLS Cup, don't they have that media cup thing? Yes, you can come play, man. Bring yes, your, bring your cleats. I'll have to come play. Yes, I, 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 I will have some nice cleats too. You know, so uh, yeah, we'll have to see, Ivis. Um, next question comes from Chris McGuffin. Who are your top three Americans? That are most in need of new clubs this winter. Only transfers, no loans. I like that caveat because obviously with loans, you're talking about a Michael Bradley. I yeah, think that'd be easy. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to get sold in the winter. I think a loan. Uh, people who need to move and get the heck out of Dodge. I think Marisa Do needs to go. Um, I don't know if he will, but I think he needs to go. He just hasn't been a good fit there. He needs to make a move asap. Um, Freddie Adu, I think needs to make a move, and I think he. He will make a move. Uh, you know, obviously the move to Bahia just hasn't really worked out. Obviously they had a carousel of coaches pass through there, and, and now the dust has settled and he's still not getting minutes. Uh, I know some people want to write him off and say there's nothing left there, and you know it, the ship sailed. But he's still 20. What is he? 24. He's still. I don't know. I still think he has talent, and I think in the right situation, the right, right, right with the right coach, he could do great. Actually, something that came to mind immediately the day I was thinking about it was you know he, he was on the U.S. Under 23 team. Um, and I thought he really played well for Caleb Porter. And, uh, that's just, you know, if the day comes where, where Freddie Adu's ready to take a pay, like a serious pay cut, come back to MLS and, 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 and try things again, I, you know what? Hey, there could be worse places for him to go than Portland and, and, and Caleb Porter. Um, so that's, that's two. And now Brett Shea, I, well, obviously they just bought the guy. They're not going to sell him, but, uh, yeah, so I guess I can't, I can't use use that one um people who need to oh you know who michael parkers the guy has yes. look i get i know augsburg's paying well i know that he's making more money than he's ever made in his career that's important that that does matter you know because we're talking about a guy hey he played he put his years in an mls where he didn't make much money then he went over to denmark i can't imagine he made a a, a truckload of money but now he's in now he's making that Bundesliga money and he's got a family and it's tough to just walk away from that but you know, I think at a certain point you have to ask yourself: Do you want to you want to play in the World Cup in your career? This is your opportunity. So if we're talking about a guy who maybe comes back to MLS, he absolutely like for me. I think he should come. I think he should either come back to MLS or go to a, lower, a, a smaller league in Europe and get some regular playing time. Because I think for me, given the situation at the right at right back, I mean, I think when he's playing, when he's playing regularly and he's on form, he he is among healthy options right now. Healthy non-exiled options at right back. Uh, he he's better. He, like for me, look nothing against Brad Evans. Brad Evans has really developed into a pretty surprisingly reasonable option at right mm-hmm. back. But I'm sorry, Michael Parkers, an on form and in form and fit playing regularly, Michael Parkers is better than Brad Evans as a right back. So if you're if you're Michael Parkers, you have to ask yourself: Do I really want to just give up the chance to play in the World Cup? I think he can play in this World Cup, but he absolutely has to make a move. Next question comes from Benjamin Harold. Why is Beasler not a target for European clubs? You hardly notice he's on the field in a good way. Then he asks, "Could Chance Zuzi could make a good right back?" Well, look, it, the, when it came down to last summer, I mean, I, I still think he hadn't really made enough of a, a mark as far as internationally. I know he put the game, he put his game together against Mexico. 
Um, so, but he still internationally was still a bit of an unknown commodity. I think now that he's put several games in uh, with the national team and has been able to show his quality, I think Beastler is going to start getting more attention. I think he is already getting more attention. I think I think there are scouts looking at him and 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 feeling things out. And, and that's the thing: like people should not assume that because players sign new contracts with MLS that that means oh they're not going to Europe. No, that doesn't mean that at all. All that means is that if and when they do move, there's going to be a transfer involved, and MLS is going to get their cut. Um, but I, so I, I don't think anyone should rule that out. I think if he keeps playing the way, the way he's playing, and continues to be a strong national team option, and has himself a World Cup, um, I, he can be he can be gone in the summer. And think about KC, what they've already done, taking the steps in in, in preparation for that. They go get an Ikopara. The guy's been playing really well now. So right now you have Beesler, Opara, Aurelian Collin. If Beesler goes, hey, they have his replacement, Ikopara. Look, he looks really good. He's starting to play and look like the player we all thought he would be when he came out of college and when he was with the you know on the youth teams, the U twenty and U twenty three teams. He is looking like that that potential star center back. So credit again, credit to Peter Vermees. We should not rule out Matt Beesler being gone by the summer. Next question comes from Jamie Bodella. Any chance Joe Corona comes to Major League Soccer? I could see him fit in the Galaxy. Well, that's dumb because he'd only play for Chivas USA, so pff, he's not going to play for the Galaxy. <laughs> Why would he only play for Chivas USA? Well, Chivas USA would block it. They they need all Mexican-Americans, so that's why. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, Here, here's the reason why. And when it boils down to it, the reason I don't think he'll come, the reason I don't think Corona's going to come to MLS, number one, he's been a starter and a, and a regular player in the Mexican League. Coming back to MLS doesn't really do anything for him. He can go to Europe. He can go to a smaller league in Europe. The big problem is money. Uh, he makes a truckload of money in Mexico. Compared to MLS, he makes he, I mean, he makes DP money in Mexico. So, you know, I don't think Club Tijuana is going to loan him and still pay his fee. I mean, still pay his salary. So I don't think an MLS team is going to pay Joe Corona's salary. So where, how does it work, right? Where does it work out that that could be a possible possibility? I think it would be amazing if a player like Joe Corona could come to MLS and come on loan and 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 and, and develop and keep getting minutes and, and getting regular playing time. But I just think at the end of the day, the salary in that particular case is going to get in the way. Next question comes from, uh, well, it's the final question. It comes from Peter Yoakum. At least 10 U.S. players in World Cup 2014 will have NCAA experience. In future, will NCAA be, still be a key for U.S. soccer development? You and I differ on this, so uh, do you want to go why, first? Why, why, why don't you answer first? Why don't you give your answer first and then I'll give one? Okay, here, here's my thing. Look, I, I and I've said this before, I, I still think that college programs will play a key and vital role for the U.S. because, for starters, the United States is too big. With with over- why are you taking my answer? Though? No, I'm why not. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking. I'm not taking. Why don't you say? Listen. At the end of the day, you said you don't think it, they're going. It's going to play as big a role. No, so it's not going to play as big a role. Well, then say that. Don't get into the. You love backing into things. No, give your stage a case. Okay. Here, here's, my case. Ball, here's my case. Here's my case. Here's my case. Realistically, when when Major League Soccer starts making more monies and they can <laughs> more monies. Um, they start making more money, and they can pay these kids at 18 years old. Look, the best kids are going to sign. There's still going to be some good kids. They're going to go to college. They're going to have an opportunity to go to, let's say, a Stanford or, or go to 
you know, UCLA or, or go to Virginia, you know, some good schools with good academics, but the majority of players, they're not going to go to NCAA. Yes, there will be a few, but the majority of these good players, the quote-unquote guys who are going to be the future of U.S. soccer, there's no way, man. Ten years from now, these kids aren't going to college. They're signing pro contracts. There'll be more money. They're not going to college. College will still be big. All these kids? Where are you fitting all these kids? Tell me where all these kids are going to play. I don't know. Ten years from now, there will be oh, money. Dude, the MLS ten teams. Ten years from now, there's going to be a full-blown reserve league. Is that what you're telling me? Possibly with some MLS no, teams no, doing no, USL pro teams. Team. No it's way! No, it's not. Dream. No, it's this not. Galaxy, we also like are doing yourself pro teams. That's not a pipe dream. That's reality, Ivis. Get on board with it. Two or three teams does not a country cover, and you need to understand that, folks. What you got to realize about Garrett is he works for an academy. <laughs> oh, stop it! He, he is not the most impartial person when it comes to this. This is true. This is this, this is, is very is true. Right, the academies are gaining. Uh, importance, and that was always the that was always the plan. Yes, it was always the plan to have top end talent work its way into MLS academies, and that's and that and that should happen. It has to happen that you want to have pro teams involved in that process. You want pro teams uh, coaching and developing top talent in this country. But what it boils down to is you look at a map, you look at the number of teams in this in MLS now or in the future. You're never going to have enough teams to cover. A, country the size of the u.s so you're always going to have a bunch of players who just don't fit anywhere else or just can't play in these academies and not only that you have more and more quality players being developed by the by the development academy in this country the development academy on the youth level is is growing and increasing you're having more more high quality coaching in more parts of the country so there's just more talent right the high-end guys the the studs the very best guys the ones who are probably most likely to be a landon donovan down the road yes those guys more than likely will go through an academy but i think there's more and more talent that needs to find somewhere to go, and there just aren't there just aren't the opportunities as a pro from eighteen to twenty two. They just they just still don't exist. There are going to be some more now. When you're talking about you, the USL pro affiliates and all this and that, there are going to be some more opportunities. But just look at the size of the country, folks. There's just not enough opportunities. So college will continue to be a viable option. And the, the way the development structure is in this country, you still are going to have a ton of players, a ton of prospects who aren't developing quickly enough to be impact players at an age where they can afford to skip college. You're going to have a lot of players who really in their prime development years are going to be college aged. And you're going to have guys like end up like Clint Dempsey, who Clint Dempsey needed some college. He needed some years of college to develop. You're going to still have that. And that's why even to this day, you still have guys Coming into the in, coming in MLS, who are the better rookies, the better pros, because they ha- and they have ex- they have some years under the belt in college, and that's not changing overnight. It's not going to change in five years, ten years, possible. But you know what? College will still have a role. To play. Uh, I, uh, I think I think teams will get lucky if they're able to draft one or two good players in the MLS draft ten years from now. I just uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, here's my thing. People like like academies are cranking out tons of talent. No, they're not. They're not. They're still years away. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, we haven't even gotten to the point yet where multiple academies are cranking out quality talent on a regular. It's not. It hasn't even. Well, well yet. some it's major league teams, much- some teams take it more seriously than other teams too. Right, I agree. Like but FC that- Dallas, FC Dallas takes their academy very seriously. Right, but how many of those academy products have actually? Come to MLS and done something? No, not not yet. But but but, well, but ten well, years well, from now, well, hey, we're no. gonna we're gonna debate this up until ten years from now. Just just so you and I will always 
you, you, know, you and I are just going to fight about this no matter what. This is when we'll be old men, man. Yes. Well, you'll be you'll be old. I'll just I'll just be older. I'm already old. You're just. <laughs> I'm just a punk kid. You'll be you'll be less dumb. <laughs> this you know what that's that that actually is debatable. That is a debatable question. I have faith that you'll mature. Like you'll grow up eventually. Thank you, Ivis. Me too. Will, one day it will no longer just be about about money holes and clothes. Hey. <laughs> 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 it's it's not about that, but but you 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 and my mother can only hope that I will I will eventually grow. Things up that day. won't make the final edit of the show. No, that will make that this will make the show. Well, Ivis, this will also make the show. Time to wrap it up. The show is like it, it, this is probably the longest show we've ever had. So time for us yeah, to wrap up. Wrap up. I'll tell you, I just hope there's no there are no curses in this episode. I apologize <laughs> yes. to everyone who had to listen to the profanity. Oh please, in the last I'm show. sure I'm sure our listeners are fine. You know what? Look, look, I I know. Look, I'm not trying to act like we're this like puritanical show. Um, I'm not. I don't have anything against cursing. Obviously, as you heard, Uh, I just think I just don't think cursing for the sake of cursing makes any sense. And I know there are shows where people differ on that. Yes, but but that's just that's not our style. So we'll try we'll try to keep it clean for the most part. We try to keep this show PG-13. I would say That, that that works. That works. Yeah, you know, like one of those Disney movies where. Every joke in there is extremely like sexual and very immature, but you know you're a little kid, so you don't get it. You know, kind of one of those type of situations. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like freedom with that. But I, I, <laughs> what I do find funny is we're always recording at like two, three in the morning, and I think we deserve some credit for keeping it PG thirteen, considering we're always recording at like the latest hours possible. Yes, this is this is true. All right, right. well, I was I have some some things to take care of tonight. You need to go to bed. Um, <laughs> And uh, and you you have a, you have a good night, man. I'll, I'll talk to you later this week. Yes, sir. Hopefully, we'll get the guest. That's the plan. The plan for episode eighty three is to have at least one guest. So that's the mission for this week. Now, that's news to me. So I'm looking forward to it then. Hopefully, uh, we can work around your social schedule. <laughs> oh, dude, this I always say. Let's do a show during the day. The problem is, my my where I work, it's in the middle of the desert, man. There's no connection out there. Uh, well, there you go. See, these are the problems we deal with. I know, man. I know. I know. It's a tough world. Tough world. Ivis, like I said, we're finally wrapping it up. You have a good night. I'll talk to you later this week. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate everything you do for Ivis and myself, all the support and all the questions. We'll be back later this week. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>